Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Coaches, today we have episode 336 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Today we have Coach Sharman White. He's the head boys basketball coach at Pace Academy. The 2023 Class 4A state champions, 10-time State of Georgia high school champions, USA basketball U-17 national team head men's coach. Georgia High School Regional 6AA Championship 2022 won back-to-back 2019-2020 Georgia High School State Championships in 3A and 2A divisions, respectively, with a combined record of 56-6, and named head coach of Nike Hoop Summit 2020 and 2021, 2014 USA Today All-USA Coach of the Year at Miller Grove High School, Georgia. Five times Georgia High School State champions at Miller Grove High School, 2009 to 2012, Georgia Class 4A, and 2013 and 2014, Georgia Class A, Class 5A titles. 2016 National High School Coaches Association Coach of the Year, 2013 Georgia Sports Writers Association Coach of the Year, and Georgia Athletic Coaches Association Class 5A Coach of the Year. Three times Georgia Class 4A Coach of the Year, and Atlanta Journal-Constitution Georgia Class 4A Coach of the Year in 2010, 2011, 2012. Coaches, let's welcome Sharman White. Hey, coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast, uh, episode 336 of our podcast. And uh, we have a great coach here, the head boys basketball coach at Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I, I gave it his bio earlier, but uh, Coach Sharman White. Sharman, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me, Kevin. This is great. I'm excited about this clinic coming up and uh, looking forward to talking about it a little bit. Absolutely. I think it takes me about probably 30 minutes to go over your bio. Uh, so I want, I want you to share. Matter of fact, I was speaking to, I had a, a little meeting today with some coaches and they were going, and you got Charmin White on. I said, Charmin's great. Charmin, it connects with so many people. I says, and I think it's important, right, coach, for coaches to reach out to you uh, or any other coach. No, nobody is, uh, everybody's available for information, right, or to share. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I think coaching is basically just exchanging information. I don't think it's a lot of new stuff up under the sun. I think people, you know, they tweak things and they add little things here and there, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we're all exchanging information, man. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, talk about your background coach. Uh, we all know that I mean, you got, you know, you won 10, 10 times, you know, Georgia, Georgia high school state association, uh, championships, but talk about how you got into the game, how you grew up with the game, and then how you kind of created that love for coaching. And you know something, I mean, I, I, I think I was coaching kids when I was like like nine or ten years old, man. I was out in the neighborhood trying to show kids how to do stuff. 
not even really knowing how to do them as well as I could myself. And uh, just something that stuck with me, man, you know, the basketball thing, it went, it went okay. It wasn't great or anything like that. I can't say, say I was, you know, some type of all American and all that, but I really uh, loved the game and I wanted to stay connected to it. So when I graduated from college, I knew I wanted to stay, you know, connected to the game and coaching was the way I wanted to do it. Cause I was an education major. I thought it'd be a great opportunity for me right. to give back to the game that had made me, uh, brought me so much joy as a kid. And um, so I, you know, did that, got out of college and um, came to Atlanta public schools and started coaching middle school. I was assistant coach at a middle school, Bunch Middle School in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know anything really about what I was doing. I just know I wanted to do it. I learned from a really, really, great um, coach that you know he's deceased now but he, he taught me a lot of stuff in just one year uh Marshall Brown and so after the first year I remember him coming back to me after the first season ended and he came to me you know he said hey you ready to take it over and I was I looked like basically like totally in shock because I was like whoa you know I'm thinking I'm getting ready to learn year after year after year and then maybe my turn to come I wasn't in no way shape or form thinking that he would offered me the head middle school coaching job at the school. And so he did, uh, I did it for six years, had a lot of success. And then I uh, got a call to uh, be a head coach, uh, ended up going to be a head coach at Carver High School in Atlanta, which had fell, had fall, fallen on hard times. They had won three games the year before I got there. And it was just not a great, great uh, thing as far as basketball went there. And, you know, lo and behold, my first year there, uh, we won 11 games, which was eight more than they had won before. But the key thing is we were two games away from winning the state championship. And that kind of, you know, kind of let people know that I was pretty decent at what I was doing. And, um, you know, I spent two more years there and we ended up losing the state championship game my last year there, which was 2002 or uh, 2001. I'm sorry. And then I got the call uh, from Miller Grove and uh, Miller Grove we're opening up a brand new school. And so I thought it'd be a great opportunity. I had offers from Gwinnett, other schools in different systems, but I thought this was the best one because it was brand new. And so I went to Miller Grove and, uh, you know, started that program from scratch, you know, whereas in Carver, I inherited a program. This one, I got a chance to start from scratch and kind of build it the way I wanted to build it. And, you know, we had some, you know, good kids and we got a kid by the name of Mufon Udofia, who was uh, probably one of the top players in the county. Uh, that was slated to go to Miller Grove. And, you know, he was talking to different schools, Maris, and all. I can remember his mom telling him, <laughs> she, she just was real adamant about him staying uh, in the neighborhood and, and, and raising up, you know, the brand new school, Miller Grove. And so he was the first, you know, really superstar that I ever uh, got a chance to coach there. And, um, you know, it kind of took off from there. And the next thing you know, you got McDonald All-Americans, Tony Parker and, uh, Altery Gilbert, and for you know, you win six straight state championships and seven out of eight, and you know the rest is history. Right, and of course you continued on. I mean, obviously you went to Georgia State, did a great job out there as an assistant coach, uh, and came back to Face Academy. Um, and I, you know, I I know everybody's asked you about this. You want, you know, why did you come back to the high school ranks uh, from from Georgia State? Well, you know, I mean, you know, after I left Miller Grove and took the opportunity, I had I had I had a couple opportunities at college while I was at mm -hmm. Miller Grove. I just didn't think that 
the timing was right. And then with Georgia State, it was just so right because I didn't have to move. I didn't have to relocate. My kids still went to the same school. I didn't have to move. I didn't have to, you know, go buy another house, sell a house. It was just right. And then the work for Ron Hunter was, was, was great. Um, and so it was great for two years. I mean, I got a chance to experience a lot. We went to the NCAA tournament. I signed a lot of kids. Um, but I was I still had that emptiness uh, because college is a business. And I'll tell people that all the time. It's a business. And it's not as pure as it is in high school, or at least at that time. <laughs> uh, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I just had a yearning to get back to it. And then I had little kids and I was missing I missed all my son's basketball games for two years. I missed my daughter's cheerleader competition for two years. And so it was like, uh, I think I wanted, I, I value those things a lot. And so I wanted to make sure I was there. I didn't want to look up one day and they were 17, 18 years old. And I'm wondering what happened to the time. Wow. And so I paced, you know, reached out and I thought it was a great fit. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity for my kids to go to school there and get it, get that education. And so that's how I ended back up at Pace and uh, haven't looked back since. And, you know, I, I won't say that I've never, ever entertained a college offer again, but I know for a fact it's got to be something that uh, is a good fit and a good match because I've always been told that you got to hit yourself to the right wagon when you're talking about college coaching. Yeah, absolutely on that. Let's talk about your season last year. You played one of my former schools, uh, Walnut Grove, um, and, uh, I know they were the number one seed, um, uh, but you came down to Walnut Grove to play and I know you guys, you guys handled them pretty good, but talk about your season last year. Yeah, actually, man, you know, this team uh, was amazing. Uh, you know, one of the more intriguing teams I've ever coached because, you know, we took a blow early on. We, we lost one of our best players to OT Bryson Tiller, and he was like the number one, uh, 2025 kid in the, in the state at the time. And, uh, it was uh, kind of like a, a gut punch, you know, but I can say this, you know, we rallied behind it and our kids really, really rallied behind it. And, um, you know, we, 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 we started off the season. We, we had a couple good wins, but we had some, some, some tough losses as well. But I can remember, you know, around the about midway through the season, about when we got to about the beginning of January, I could see these guys had it in them to, you know, make a run. And, you know, I've been, I, you know, just having the experience of having teams that win the state championship and go, you know, go from the beginning to the end and knowing what that process looks like and what that journey looks like. I just kept telling them, I said, guys, we're good enough, you know, and they, they believed it and they, they, you know, continually got better. And, you know, we were not the number one team at no point during the season. We were always number two to McDonough and that was fine. But, you know, uh, we ended up losing the region tournament uh, championship to Love It, which was our rival, which we, we hadn't lost to them since 2019 or 2018, I believe. And so it was tough, uh, but it, it motivated our guys. And so we had to play four number one seeds in a row uh, after we played our first home game in the state playoffs. And that first, you know, number one seed we faced was, was Walnut Grove, who was a, a really, really good team and had some really good pieces. But our guys were pretty locked in and, uh, you know, just having that pedigree of knowing what it's like to get there and, and being able to, you know, have that to lean on and not only with myself, but but them as well, because we had just won it, you know, in 20 and 21. And we still had a couple leftovers from that as far as guys with experience who have been a part of that. And so, you know, it, it was a really, really great season. We had a tough schedule. We went to London, played two 
nationally ranked teams in modern day and, and Christ the King to historic programs. Uh, we also, you know, played tough teams here. We played Milton. Uh, we played a couple other teams. I mean, so we, our schedule was really jam-packed with, with, with some really tough competition. But at the same time, you know, uh, our guys just kept fighting and kept fighting. And that's what I loved about them. That's what made them so much fun to coach. And it ended up being a state championship at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, you mentioned like you saw something like, and you have a lot of experience with state championship runs. I mean, help us out a little bit. What did you see in your team? Was it like a particular practice or something you saw that you thought that they could, they can go for it? Well, it was the ownership that they took in the team. You know, they, they took ownership of the team. I, you know, usually, you know, you, as coaches, we we're the police, you know, but when they start policing themselves, it, it kind of makes right. it, a different ball game. And, and so they were, they were doing that because they, they really wanted to prove that they could win it, you know, even despite of, you know, losing Bryson and, and, you know, people counting us out and didn't think we were good enough. They, they rallied behind that. So once you start seeing them, you know, get on each other about, you know, if you, you know, we always say in our, in our, in, in our program, we always say early is on time. And so when we say we start practice at five, that really means we start at full 45. <laughs> And so when you see guys sure. trickling in at 450 and guys are being very, very demonstrative and adamant about why are you late, you know, that tells you, you know, what, what and then when guys make mistakes in, in, in practice and guys are trying to show them how to, you know, what, what, what's the correct way of doing it, but also, you know, getting on to them about if they didn't do it after they've been shown how to do it, that, that's just, you know, it makes our job as coaches. We can focus in on other things like, you know, the team we're preparing and what have you. So when you see that, you know, you got a chance to do something special because those guys are really uh, locked in and they're, they're fighting for something. And, and we had a, a good senior group that, you know, again, had been a part of state championships in the past that made it, you know, that much uh, less challenging for us. Yeah, and that's a credit to you. You have a player-led team on that. We're, that's our goal for all, all of us. Um, but uh, that's a credit to the culture you have built there at Pace. Hey, before you go into your uh, your topic for the clinic, talk about the clinic. Talk about clinics in general. Is I feel like the high school coach is so valuable for information because they're dealing with players like you know high school kids. Um, talk about the value of high school coaches. We have some great coaches here in Georgia. Are we getting enough? value and information and resources from great coaches we have here? I don't think so. I think we got some of the best coaches, bar none, across the entire country. And I do think, you know, it's a lot of coaches that got a lot to give. And I think, you know, personally for me, I'm a sponge to, to anyone that has information that I feel like I can use to make me a better coach. I mean, I'm not – when I go to clinics, I'm, I got my pen and paper out too. Even if I'm going to speak, I got my pen and paper too because – more than likely I'm taking, I'm down there to take notes and what have you uh, to try to get better. You might catch one thing that could change something that you do and, and, and make a world of difference in your coaching. And that's how you just get better as a coach. You just continue to add to your toolbox because you just never know, you know, I, I still got notes when I was going to clinics back, you know, when I was coaching middle school, I went to Tubby Smith's clinic in, at University of Kentucky. I still have notes from that. Because it's, uh, I mean, sure. you just never, never know. And I, I I go back to those things, you know, at the beginning of the season just to try to, you know, say, hey, let me go back and see if I can find something. You know, you, you just 
it's always a treat to be able to, to do that. But you only can do that if you're going and you're actually trying to seek out how to get better as a coach. And as I say, you know, you always want to keep your blades sharp. Dull, battle, dull blades lose battles. And, I, and I'll say that time and time again. So I'm always want to, I want to stay on top of it. You know, now we're in a world of analytics. We're in a world of, you know, crazy film and, you know, things of that nature. And I, I think um, being able to, you know, evolve with that kind of, those kind of things helps you become, or even, you know, maintain your status as, as, as a good coach. And coach, add to that a little bit, because I think the value of going to a clinic is meeting other coaches. Um, I think nowadays you can get information. I can get a Charmin White video on championship productions, no problem. But I would rather go and ask him questions personally, right? I mean, is that that's important, right? When you go to a clinic. Yeah, it's it's the I think it's the the the, the sign of the times. But like, I got so much on uh, when I went to clinics and, and actually got a chance to meet a coach and ask him a question, and they actually give me their information for me to reach reach out to them. And I just, I mean, I know that now everything is a super information highway and you just jump on and, and tap a button, but there's nothing like the fellowship and the, the camaraderie that you can get from, you know, being in person and, and, you know, seeing it live and seeing what goes into some of the things that you, you know, you, you, you think about as a coach and, you know, I've, you know, I, I've just seen how this thing has changed a lot. And that's why when I'm asked to speak at a clinic, I, I, I you know, I'm all for it because I know uh, what that means and what that is. Cause I, I came up under that, you know, I came up under going to clinics and, you know, sitting in that first row and trying to, you know, write down every note I could. And, and, and as a young coach trying to put in everything I saw, which is, you know, I tell coaches all the time, you know, you go to right. you go to collect information but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to use every single ounce of it, but you get the information because at some point you might be able to use parts of it in different instances. And so you just got to, you know, you know, put that pen, you know, put that pen to the paper and just say, look, I'm going I'm to take as much as I can from it. Yeah. Just uh, like you said, just, you said adding to your toolbox, but adding to your library where maybe one day you go back to, oh, man, I really like that drill that uh, Coach White had and presented at the clinic. Talk about your topic for the clinic, Coach. I'm really interested because you mentioned three-on-three, four-on-four competitive drills. And please share share why you're speaking on that and what you're going to be talking about. Well, I think the game is uh, at a point where, you know, you're trying to teach the game and get guys to learn how to play the game and not necessarily teach them plays. And I think that's the most important part because the game is such, you know, it's, it's a lot more freedom in the game now. It's a lot more, you know, individual talent and what have you. And so um, I can tell you this, I think three on three is probably one of the best methods to learn to teach guys how to play the game because of the spacing you have and, you know, the ability, you know, with just three guys on the floor. Now, of course, you play the game with two other guys, but just knowing how to space yourself on the floor, knowing where to be and how to you know, be able to read and react, you know, based on that small number, it gives you a better idea and better, you know, set of lenses to, to see the game out of, uh, I'll use this example. My son, he, uh, you know, he's 11 and, you know, he's been playing three on three for the last, um, and I, 
you know, like I could put them with a trainer and I could train them myself. I can do all this stuff. And, <laughs> but the best investment I've ever made for him in basketball is allowing him to play that three on three fall league that he plays. That he's been playing for the last three or four years because him learning how to play, learning how to backdoor, learn how to, you know, uh, play, play the game with two other guys instead of, you know, cause sometimes, you know, in that, at that level, you got five guys on the court. You might not touch the ball maybe one time the whole game. If it's, you know, you know, depending on what position they play, you know? So uh, it's been, it's been great. And I, and I like to use that. And I use it in my practices because I believe in parts to the whole, so I can break down an offensive set to just where it's just three guys, you know, demonstrating that intricate part of the set. And now we got our defense trying to guard that, but it also helps our offense try to execute what it is we're trying to execute. And so whether we're doing Spain pick and rolls or whether we're doing, you know, uh, ball screen continuity, whatever we're doing, it gives us an opportunity to execute it with just that minimal number on the floor. And then also, like I say, defensively, it gives you an opportunity also to be able to guard certain things with just those three guys that are involved. Uh, I think three on three, four on four is, um, you know, again, I don't really do a lot of five on five in my practice. You come to my practice, it's not a lot of five on five. It's, it's, it's more three on three, four on four, where we're breaking down parts to where we want to do. There is some five on five, but, I, it, you know, if people thought that, you know, or if people think that we do a lot of five on five and a lot of up and down and a lot of, we just don't do it. I mean, we do a lot of breaking it down and trying to make sure our guys understand it. Cause that's how they learn how to play once once they understand how to play. If they don't understand how to play, they won't they won't really know how to play. And coach, is the reason why the, the guys um for defensively, they gotta cover more space. Offensively, they're getting more touches, correct? Uh, and I think for you, don't you think like with your son, the kids are getting more touches, which I think every youth program should have that. Absolutely. That's the whole deal. I mean, I think, you know, everybody touches the ball in three on three. It's not somebody that's just going to not touch the ball in three on three. They almost have to touch the ball in three on three to be effective at it. And so, again, like I said, these are things that make us uh, or make me uh, really believe in it. And even with USA basketball, we do a lot of three on three and four on four. You know, we, we really spend a lot of time doing that. And because I'm the head coach and because that's something I believe in, it just makes it a little bit more easier to even do as, you know, more of it. And, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of numbers, let's say because we we're having a training camp, we might have 30 kids in a training camp trying to make a team, you know, you break right. those up and, you know, teams of three and you got two or three goals going, you know, with three on three stuff. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going there and a lot of guys getting reps and a lot of guys getting touches and now you're able to actually evaluate guys can they play in that setting, you know, because if they can play in that setting, I feel comfortable with them being able to play in a five on five setting. Yeah, absolutely. Give us a sample coach of, you know, maybe a drill you're going to teach at the clinic. Um, and I'm assuming your drills are offense, defense, both together, right. Or, or, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure that your top coaches nowadays, I mean, they always have an offensive defensive emphasis, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with the offensive side of it, we're going to do some, our, we're going to break down one of our offensive sets. We run a UCLA cut uh, ball screen uh, quite a bit. And so, you know, we'll, we'll have three guys. We have a guy at the top, then we'll have a guy on the elbow, a big, and then we'll have a guy on the wing. 
all on the same side. And then we'll swing it over to that wing and, and the guy at the top will do a UCLA cut off the guy at the elbow. And then the guy at the elbow will go right into a ball screen from the, to the guy on the wing. Well, what that does is, you know, offensively, you've heard me describe what we're doing. But those actions, you got to be able to guard, you know, defensively. You got to be able to guard a UCLA cut. Then you got to figure out what your ball screen coverage is, you know. So uh, when that ball screen comes. So, you know, you can teach a lot, you know, especially with the UCLA cut. You want to keep the guy to stay between him and the ball, his man and the ball. Or, you know, with the ball screen coverage, do you want to trap it? Do you want to go up underneath? Do you want to go switch it? You know, no, it's just a lot to think about. And then the guy that, you know, is guarding the guy with the UCLA cut, when he clears to the opposite side, you know, he's got to be in help. He can't be chasing that guy to the other side of the floor. So, you know, even in our practices, we have, you know, you know, we got a coach, we got coaches, assistant coaches, they're coaching some are coaching offense, some are coaching defense in that drill because we want to get better on both sides. So we want to be able to kind of split it down the middle where, you know, the offense is going to get, uh, you know, some some great opportunities and great advantages and, and great scores. And then we also want some defensive things where our defense makes plays and they kind of communicate to each other and figure out what it is that we're going to do to stop them. Yeah, and how do you give us like a rotation of your drills? I, um, what I love about three on three is like, you know, when you get, I always believe the transition part, even in half court, where if I get a steal or a turnover, boy, I'm kicking it back out to the offense. The next group comes on. Kids are learning how to transition offense, defense, defense, offense. That's important in your drills, right? Yeah, we go straight from the team that's on offense. They go straight to defense. When we get a new group flowing in on offense. We always want the team that's on offense to go to defense so they can get a chance to play defense. And then, like I say, new group coming in on offense. They're fresh. You know, you get different guys. And we switch sides. You know, we we just do a lot of things. And, and it's a lot of continuity to it because once kids learn it and they understand what you're doing, it makes for it. You know, now you can really get to the, the, the nuts and bolts of what you're trying to get accomplished with those things. Yeah, Coach, um, talk about your defense. I, I, don't want, I know you don't want to talk about your defensive tape, which I absolutely love, but um, talk about a key part, like in a three-on-three, four-on-four, talk about a key part of your defense that you can share with us a little bit that you really emphasize in your program. Uh, communication on ball screens is really, really big for us. We color, we use the color code for our ball screens. You know, we say, you know, if you're we're going to white, you're going to switch. And if you're going to red, you're going to trap and things of that nature. I know I'm giving away my goods, but I, I really don't care. We don't know what we're doing. Uh, but, you know, I think ball screen defense and we we make three on three drills where they're actually about ball screen defense. So I'll, I'll show that as well. Um, and it's just like my my the whole purpose of my set, my my, you know, presentation within this clinic is to show both sides. It's not to just be an offensive clinic. So we'll, we'll spend some time talking defensively about some of the three on three and four on four things, because we do some four on four stuff where we, you know, we, we, we run a motion offense, just a simple motion offense, but it involves so many actions that it allows our, our defense to be able to go out and try to execute uh, stopping those actions, or at least, you know, being able to guard those actions and communicate through those actions, which is the most important part so, uh, you know, again, communication is, is, is huge. Guarding ball screens is huge because it's such a big part of our game. And, you know, you create versatility amongst your players defensively when, you bring that, when you're able to do those things. Because, you know, we're, 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 this team that I got coming up this year is probably might be one of the most versatile teams I've ever had because 
our big guys can guard guards and our guards know how to guard big guys just because they get their reps of doing that in practice. And I think that's so important, you know, because if you've got the ability to be able to switch this day and age and you can do it effectively, you can really, really put a monkey wrench in a lot of things teams want to do. Coach, you think for even like a coach myself, um, you know, we don't have great players, but I have a lot of versatile girls that can go inside, outside. Like you mentioned, versatility is so important. Um, talk about that just really quick about really developing. Maybe that starts at a youth age. If you have a big, if I have a big six foot girl, I want her to be able to step out in the perimeter, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it comes to where you know what you do throughout practice, throughout your skill development, even in the off season. Like those things, you build those things. Those are the bricks you can use to build with them. And I'll, I'll just go back to my son's three on three team that they're they're getting ready to start in another week or so. And you know, one of the things I'm, you know, I just happen to draw the card to be to coach him. This would be my first time ever coaching my son. I usually I wanted to wait till he got to high school, so uh, I'm gonna take the rim. Yeah. The, the, the head on this one, but uh, I'm going to teach them how to switch screens and how to be able to guard it and be able to, you know, function in that because, you know, how many, you know, he's sixth grade, but he's going to play up to a seventh grade. Like how many seventh graders can, can react to somebody switching a ball screen or switch, switching a screen and being able to act. So I'm just saying all that to say, I think you build that stuff from a foundational standpoint and you try to make it a part of what you do in some form or fashion every single day. And if you do that, the more reps those kids get, the, the more chances that they get to learn how to be versatile. And you can see the versatility, and which is the most important part as a coach. If you can see the versatility, if you can see them being versatile enough, it gives you confidence to be able to say, all right, we can switch these screens. We can do a lot of little different things. Uh, and it just goes all in hand in hand. Coach, before you go, talk about your USA basketball experience, man. You've had, you've coached some great players that have gone on to uh, great success. Talk about the value of that and how that carries over to your coaching now, coaching these guys. Yeah, man, USA basketball has been, you know, just a great experience for me. Um, you know, probably the best culture in basketball, the way they do things. They do things the right way. They do it at a high level. It's very, very professional. Um, and so I'm just fortunate enough to be able to be able to coach, you know, some of the best players, um, you know, bar none in the world. And, you know, you see it throughout the draft picks, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, I've already coached them through USA basketball, but, you know, one thing that, you know, again, that, that just stands out, you know, cause we don't get to spend a lot of time with those kids, uh, as you know, some of the other countries, they, they, sometimes those countries, they play together for an entire year. And you're going to see that in the World Cup for the national team coming up in a ne- in another couple of weeks. Uh, they're playing against countries that those guys play together a lot. And, you know, we just kind of grab a team and say, all right, we're going to spend a few, a few weeks together and we're going to go out here and try to get this gold medal. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of the format pretty much with our junior national team, same thing. We get to spend a couple of weeks with them in the training camp and then we got to go out and try to get a gold medal. But, the talent level is definitely higher. And, and what it what it what really happens, and, and we say this a lot with USA basketball, period, is you know, we have let, let's just say we were starting the game. We got our five and we got the five for the opposite, the, our opponent. And they could be 
if you play that play the game between those two five man teams, you know, it might be, you know, five and five. It could be six and four. It could be anything. But what the difference is our next seven, we're pulling, we're still pulling five star kids with our next seven in most countries can't do anything with our depth. And so like this past year, you know, this this past summer I coached uh the U16 uh, team that won the FIBA uh U16 Americas. I mean, best team I've ever had assembled as a coach at USA basketball. I mean, the Boozer twins, AJ DeBonza, Tyron Stokes, uh, I mean, Darren Peterson. It was just a truly 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 talent team. But the thing about it is they understand the culture of USA basketball. And so they're not caught up in their rankings and they're not caught up in, did I score the most? They're all about the one thing that matters to most of them. And that's trying to win a gold medal. And so being able to be able to coach kids with that kind of culture that's, that's sitting above them and, and, you know, they, they honor and they respect, uh, it just makes it, you know, it just purifies the game that much more because, we always try to stress to them, like even in the national team, you know, you look at those guys, they don't score the 35, 40 points, man. You might have a guy have 15, you might have a guy have 20, you might have another guy have 10, you might have, you know, but they don't really care. They just want to win. And, and that's what it boils down to. Yeah, it's important. I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. I, I love Jerry Colangelo, who I guess he got in the Hall of Fame, correct? This year, I mean, talk yep. about him basically being the grandfather of really changing USA basketball, along with Don Showalter. Talk about those two guys, Coach. I mean, they're they're, they're they are like uh, they're USA goats, uh, as everybody say, goats. Like they, they are because you know Jerry Colangelo saw what happened when we you know we fell a little bit from grace after the Dream Teams. And, you know, he took it upon himself personally, like, you know, to say, all right, we're going to rebuild this thing and we're going to do it right. And uh, he had the right guy in Coach K that could get guys to to want to, you know, participate and want to be a part of and want to, you know, redeem, this, you know, to redeem the whole process. And then you take a guy like Coach uh, Don Showalter, who uh, started the junior national team, was part of the first junior national team, and, you know, start this whole process. And he's one of my, you know, I, I love Coach Walter as if he, he's like a father to me. And uh, he's done a lot for me. And he's just helped me as a coach tremendously. But he, you know, won 10 gold medals straight. And, you know, that's year after year after year. I mean, and he really set the bar for what our program as a junior national team and the culture that we have. He, he's, you know, I think he's, you know, the sole uh, responsible person for it, for the most part, about that. And, you know, I was spending some time with him a couple weekends ago. We were in Florida together. And, you know, it's just uh, being able to learn from guys like that and see how they operate. I tell people all the time, if you want to be great, go study great people. Um, you know, you can't, you can't right. be great if you're just studying yourself or you're just studying, you know, people. Those things make a big difference. And, so I, you know, when I'm with Show Walter, it's like I'm a little kid at a candy store. I'm asking him all kind of stuff, and I'm always he's always giving me great stuff. And right. then, you know, he sent me a little letter and a card the other day, just out of appreciation for our friendship. But he didn't have to do that. But that's just the kind of person he is. Yeah, he's a first class person. I, I, I mean, anytime I, 
you know, I wanted to talk to him or try to get him on a podcast. He's always so willing to share. Um, and that's where coaches have to realize, man, there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, coach, thank you for coming on the podcast. Man, we're, we're so fired up about having you come out to Commerce, Georgia to, to our clinic, Coach, man. We're really excited about that. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you for what you always continue to strive to do to get coaches better and get make the game better. I think we got to continue to grow the game uh, because, you know, the players are, are definitely not losing in esteem and talent. And so we've got to be, as, as coaches, we got to be able to coach them. Coach, thank you so much, man. I wish you the best. Hey, good luck in your three-on-three coaching debut. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> take care, Coach. Take care. Coaches, before we jump in, I just want to give you a quick shout-out to my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. I've been connected with their team for the past few years and have used their products for a while now. Beyond their innovative and user-friendly shooting machines, they also are great people with tremendous customer service. It's no wonder why they have become the preferred choice among top programs around the country and world. I'm very grateful for their support of the show. Make sure to check them out at drdishbasketball.com and at drdishbball on social media. And mention Legends Clinic Series when ordering your next Dr. Dish to save an extra $300 off your purchase. Coaches, are you tired of dealing with sticky mats anytime your team plays on a dusty court? Stop tearing off expensive sticky sheets after expensive sticky sheets while you're trying to coach and just get your team game long grip even on dusty courts grip spritz gives your basketball shoes longer lasting grip on dusty courts while saving your school money use it pre-game and put it away your shoes are good to go all game long grip spritz better grip better game